the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. There are some Christians today who are very disillusioned. They're disillusioned because they've been told, they've been fed a story that says the Christian life is a bed of roses. Some who witness and say, accept Jesus and all your problems will be gone. No one ever told me when I was first converted that I would have problems. That may be hard for you to realize, but nobody ever told me that once you accept Christ, expect to have trials like you've never known before. And I thought that everything would just be just smooth sailing from here on in, just right into heaven. I didn't realize that sometimes when we reach the end of our life, it's like we're just struggling on the shore like a beach and just making it from the water and just like we've climbed onto shore and some of us will be in heaven that way. We've made it, but it's been a struggle. No one ever told me about that. When the trials came, when I was first converted, I really wondered if God was real. I thought this couldn't be happening to me. I've accepted him. If this is the way he treats his friends, what about his enemies? I also wondered why I was having such difficulties, why I was going through such trials. Was it some sin in my life? Was there something that other Christians knew that I didn't know and just hadn't really been made aware of? And I thought before I was saved, life wasn't this hard. It really seemed that life got a lot harder after I was converted. Welcome to Verse by Verse, where we feature the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. Over our first three sessions, we studied 1 Peter verses 1 through 5, and we examined four truths about salvation that give us hope. We said it is a planned salvation, a present salvation. It's also permanent. It's protected. That is, we are being preserved by God. This gives us great hope in the light of persecution or trials. On today's verse-by-verse program, Pastor Steve will continue teaching on the living hope as we now move on to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9. Persecution and trials, those aren't fun topics, but Peter thought it was important to prepare his audience for them. So, Pastor Steve is going to continue with that topic on today's program. We find ourselves these weeks studying Peter's first letter, so if you'll turn there, we'll continue our study. We'll study tonight, how do you handle trials when trials come your way? All of us face those things. And I'll read, starting at verse 6 of chapter 1 through verse 9, just a short passage but full of very pertinent truths. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, You've been distressed by various trials, 
that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation or the coming of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe on him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving or obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Our Father, take the word of God now and have it accomplish its purpose, even as Peter said, that we should stand firm in the true grace of God. Help us tonight as a result of knowing how to handle the tests, the trials, that we might stand firm in this grace. In Jesus' name, amen. There are some Christians today who are very disillusioned. They're disillusioned because they've been told, they've been fed a story that says the Christian life is a bed of roses. Some who witness and say, accept Jesus and all your problems will be gone. No one ever told me when I was first converted that I would have problems. That may be hard for you to realize, but nobody ever told me that once you accept Christ, expect to have trials like you've never known before. And I thought that everything would just be just smooth sailing from here on in, just right into heaven. I didn't realize that sometimes when we reach the end of our life, it's like we're just struggling on the shore like a beach and just making it from the water and just like we've climbed onto shore and some of us will be in heaven that way. We've made it, but it's been a struggle. No one ever told me about that. When the trials came, when I was first converted, I really wondered if God was real. I thought this couldn't be happening to me. I've accepted him. If this is the way he treats his friends, what about his enemies? I also wondered why I was having such difficulties, why I was going through such trials. Was it some sin in my life? Was there something that other Christians knew that I didn't know and just hadn't really been made aware of? And I thought before I was saved, life wasn't this hard. It really seemed that life got a lot harder after I was converted. Not too long ago, Charles Swindoll, who is the radio pastor of Insight for Living and pastor out in California, has written a book, which I would recommend to any of you and all of you, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. It's called Persevering Through Pressure. In the introduction of his book, he says this, and I read this because it pertains to what we are studying tonight. In the introduction, he shares about what an average 36-hour period in his life has been like, and that it hasn't been just one great mountaintop experience. And then he says, it occurred to me that somebody needs to address the other side of the Christian life. If for no other reason than to uphold reality... Christians need to be told that difficulty and pressures are par for the course. No amount of biblical input or deeper life conferences or super victory seminars will remove our human struggles. I like that. God promises no bubble of protection, no guaranteed release from calamity. Ask guys like Job or Joseph or Daniel or Paul. Or if you prefer, just read this book. It dances to a different tune, I should warn you. Not much is said about sudden blessings or overnight success, but a lot is said about standing firm through tough days. You'll become acquainted with an ancient term that has almost faded away in this generation under the bright, dazzling lights of splashy, always grinning, a miracle-a-day spirituality. 
the word perseverance. I know of no better partner to dance with when you're doing the three steps forward, two steps back number. Now, obviously, he's not endorsing dancing. I don't want you to go away thinking about that. Not too long ago, I heard of a preacher on the radio, not this man, who said that the Christian life was fun. It was one great big bundle of fun. And it may seem fun when you're on the mountaintop experience. When you're on that emotional high and you're looking out over everything and those days seem great, but very seriously, try telling it's fun, all fun, to a mother who's just lost a baby to death. Try telling a friend of mine, Lois Maude, who just lost her husband, Jack, in a balloon crash the Christmas holidays. Just try telling her that Christianity is all fun. When you're telling her, tell her two small children that it's just fun. Try telling a wife whose husband has terminal cancer that Christianity is fun. It is not all fun. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. God has promised us trials. It is not all fun and games. There's victory within those trials. There's promised victory. There's promised strength. There's promised grace. But it is not all fun. And if you've been fed those kind of lies, then you've been deceived because the Bible nowhere teaches that it's all fun. It is a personal relationship with Christ, which is wonderful and it's exciting, but Christianity is not all fun. There are some very dark days, and we need those days to balance out those mountaintop experiences. And the more we grow in the Christian life, the more it is that the less high and the less low you have, and the more calm you have. Calm in the sense that you meet those trials without falling, that you meet those great experiences without getting an improper perspective. Last week, as we began to study the text of 1 Peter, we studied verses 1 through 5, and we examined four truths about salvation that give us hope. We said it was a planned salvation, that God in his sovereignty has planned it. We don't understand election, but the scripture teaches it, and we're going to believe that. It's not only that, it's a present salvation. God has planned it for here and for now, as well as the future. It's present, but it's a permanent salvation. It's one that is undefiled, it's preserved in heaven for us, it's permanent, it can never be taken away. Also, it's a protected salvation. We are being preserved by God. We are being protected by the power of God. You, if you're a Christian tonight, are secure in Jesus Christ. Peter has laid down the basis for our salvation, the foundation of our lives. Jesus said in the parables that if you build your house upon a sure foundation... The storms can hit you, but it cannot destroy the house because you've got a firm foundation which you're rooted in. Hopefully your foundation tonight is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when those trials come, you can do, as Swindoll said, persevere through pressure because God gives us those pressure times. But why the trials and how should we handle them? You're going through a trial now. I know because you're a human being. I see everyone here is human. There's no question about that. You do not have little animals running here, except there might be a roach or two. Don't look down at the floor. Just listen. But how do you handle those trials when they come? Maybe you're not going through the darkest hours of your life. Be assured, they'll come. But you are experiencing a trial. There's a trial that we face every day. Maybe it's not as extreme as a trial you faced a few months ago, 
but you face a trial because you're human. Why and how should we handle them? I remind you that the Christians that Peter was writing to knew about trials. The historian Tacitus wrote this, I quote, Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered by the skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs and perished. Or were nailed to crosses or were doomed to the flames and burned to serve as a nightly illumination when daylight had expired. Nero offered his gardens for the spectacle, and it was exhibiting a show in the circus, which he mingled with the people in the dress of a charioteer, or stood aloft on a car. Hence, even for criminals who deserved extreme and exemplary punishment, there arose a feeling of compassion, for it was not as it seemed for the public good, but to glut one man's cruelty that they were being destroyed." Public compassion even arose for criminals who deserved to have punishment because of the punishment that was going on with Christians. Tonight, we have an outline that states this. We want to look at three features of testing. That's our key thought, three features of testing. The reality of trials, the reasons for trials, and our response to trials. We want to be very simple, very clear, true to the text, clear, simple, and practical. That's what we're aiming for. Number one, the reality of trials. There are some Christians who believe that if you suffer, it's not God's will for you to suffer. They would suggest that if you're suffering emotionally tonight, or physically, especially physically, or mentally, or even spiritually, that it's because you have a lack of faith. And they would pin on you a great guilt trip that you just don't have the faith to muster up to meet this trial. Peter states just the opposite. It has nothing to do with your faith. It's God's will. It is reality that you and I face trials. Peter writes later in the fourth chapter, he says, don't think it's strange when the fiery trial comes upon you. Just like when I was first converted, I thought it's strange. But Peter says, don't think it's strange. This is reality. Look at verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice. Now look at that. What are they to rejoice in? Are they to rejoice really in their trials? No. In this is referring back to what he's just explained, salvation. In salvation, you are rejoicing. That's why he starts out his letter about salvation. There's something to give you hope. You've got a salvation. It's not all dark. In this, you greatly rejoice, not in the trials, but in the midst of these trials. You can look at a sure foundation of your life. In the midst of trials, you rejoice, not because of the trials. Nobody is happy when they go through trials. They may be happy for what trials do in their life, but I never greet a trial and say, I'm happy you're here in the sense that you are here. James says, greet these trials as friends, but you only greet them as friends in the sense of what they're going to do for you. And we'll look at that later. Not in the sense that you say trials are wonderful. Nobody thinks that. It's what they do for you that's wonderful. But look at this. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. God has not made and will not make the Christian life easy. It's tough. It's difficult. And don't believe it when people tell you that you shouldn't go through trials, that everything is just one emotional great experience. Nothing could be greater. You know, when people greet me, if things are going real well, And they say, how are you? Usually people greet you and don't listen to what you have to say. If they do and they say, how are you? And they stand there long enough. And I do the same thing at times. 
and say, how are you? If things aren't going great, I don't say great. I say, okay. And that way, my conscience is clear before God, because okay can mean a number of things. Nobody knows what okay means. So I just say that. But he says that you have been distressed, if necessary, by various trials. God tells us that trials are a reality of the Christian life. And in this passage, in this verse, we want to look at a number of truths concerning its reality. Number one, the time of the testing is short. Notice he says, for a little while. The time of the testing is short. Now, when you're going through a trial, it seems like it lasts forever, doesn't it? It seems like it will never end. Hours seem to just go and slip into days and days into weeks, and it just goes on and on and on. And as a matter of fact, trials have a way of distorting time. They really do. When something hits me, it just seems like months seem to pass, and it's only been a day or two. And I just think that when will this ever end? Lord, I can't take it anymore, which is not true because God said he'll not let us be tested above what we're able to handle. But listen, let me encourage you. They won't last forever. The trials you have, the suffering you have, the tests you have, the personal battles you're facing tonight will not last forever because Peter says, even though now for a little while, just a little while, the little while to you may seem like a long time, but God says it's just a little while now. What that little while is, I don't know. Israel suffered for 400 years. That was a little while compared to eternity. You may suffer just a few hours, just a few days, a few months, but compared to eternity, it's a little while. Albert Einstein once made a statement in explaining the theory of relativity. He said, when you put your hand on a hot stove for a minute, it seems like an hour. But when you sit next to a pretty woman for an hour, it seems like only a minute. Now, you see, suffering has a way of distorting time. And it really seems to twist time where you have no proper perspective of time. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. It's momentary. It'll pass. It's not going to be forever. You can look up because someday you will not have that suffering Someday you will not have the extreme pressures. And I mean the trials that you're going through. I'm not talking now about when you die and you're ushered into the presence of God. I mean the personal battle you are fighting now. Someday will be over. There'll be probably other battles in its place. But what you're experiencing now will not last forever. They will end. I look back at all the trials and the tests that I've had, and I never thought they would end. But they've ended. There's been new ones in their place. I sometimes wish I had the old ones back. They seemed a lot easier. But they end. Yours will end. Someday it won't always be this rough. There's another truth. There isn't always a need for a testing period. Notice what Peter says, if necessary. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, which implies that it isn't always necessary. Now let me explain. It is necessary that you have a trial, that you experience suffering. But it isn't always necessary that God bombards you with a period of extreme testing in your life. This is what Peter is saying. There honestly hasn't been in all my Christian life a period of time where I haven't had some trial. But I honestly can say it hasn't always been a bombardment of testing. It hasn't always been extreme testing. That's what Peter is saying, if necessary. There's always a need for a trial, always a need. 
and some people seem to go through greater trials than others. It appears from Scripture and from history that when a man or a woman faces extreme trials and over and over again they just seem to suffer, it seems to me that these are the people that God uses most in this life. Alan Redpath in the 1950s said to a group of Dallas seminary men, he said, God seldom uses a man greatly until he first hurts him deeply. That's true. Look at a man or a woman that God is greatly using, and you think, what have they got that I don't have? Probably a whole lot of trials that you don't want. Probably God has put them through suffering that you're not even aware of. Suffering in their own family. It's those times that build a man, build a woman. I'll never forget the time just before our son Benjamin was born. Michelle and I went to the doctor, and they took a blood test on her and said, we want to talk to you about something. It seems like you have been exposed to German measles, and there could be something wrong with the baby. They said, look, but what we want to do is we want to take it through the lab again and check it out and make sure. And so we thought, well, we haven't had German measles. There's no problem with it. And we went home. A few days later, the doctor called me and said, I want to talk to you over the phone. I guess he was alone. I was alone. And he said, we ran it through the lab, and your wife has been exposed to German measles, and we'd like you to come in and talk about an abortion. Well, we would have never gone through an abortion even if something had been wrong. But he said to me, he said, we're going to run it through just to check one more time and make sure, but I don't want you to tell your wife, <laughs> which is easier said than done. In other words, he was saying, I want you to carry this yourself. Of course, we can cast it on the Lord, but we think about that. And he said, I'll get back with you in a few days, but don't tell her because this would really hurt the baby. It would hurt her to have to be concerned with this. And I can remember going to sleep at night and in my mind picturing mongoloid faces and thinking about my first child possibly being retarded. I couldn't share this with Michelle. I couldn't share it with her parents. I couldn't share it with my parents. I could hardly share it with anyone lest word would get out and get back to her. And I can remember just having to get alone here, my heart breaking. And I can remember going into a private place and just weeping and saying, God, if this is your will for me, I want to accept it. I want it, and I know you'll give me the grace. And I thank you for this child, no matter what's wrong with this baby. I will never have an abortion in that case. And Lord, I will accept it as your will, and I rejoice in it, or words to that effect. When I came out of that private meeting with God, something had taken place in my life. There was a new perspective, a new growth, and in a new way, God began to move in my life because I had suffered. Now, nobody else really knew about that, and these are the kind of trials that others go through, maybe not that extreme, but that we usually don't broadcast, and I would never share it publicly except that it fits in and would give you insight into the Word of God. Just to finish the story, because I always hate to leave a story open like that. Sometime the doctor called back and said, guess what? We made a mistake. And I said, thank you. And I went home and slept the whole afternoon. It just seemed like the world was lifted off my shoulders. But I thank God for that experience. And I thank God the suffering that went on that week because it molded me. It helped me. It matured me from someone who was just a young kid going to have his first child Suddenly, I felt like someone who was a veteran grandfather. 
going through it all. And when you go through things like that, other trials don't seem that much. I appreciated that personal story from Pastor Steve on today's Verse by Verse program. Difficult times are what God uses to build our character. And we don't know the suffering that's gone on in some families. We don't know the trials others face. We don't know what goes on in their heart. We don't know the heartache. When we suffer extreme difficulties, we've joined a select company of believers like Paul and Peter. Moses, Jeremiah, and so many others in Scripture had their character molded by extreme difficulties. I hope this series has helped you in your Christian life. If it has, please tell a friend about Verse by Verse and encourage them to check out versebyverseradio.org for more information about the Verse by Verse ministry. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.